Chapter thirty one of Cousin Pons by Honore de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter thirty one. And Schmucke? He was busy buying flowers and cakes for Topinard's children, and went home almost joyously. I am giving de presents, he said, and he smiled. It was the first smile for three months but any one who had seen schmucke's face would have shuddered to see it there but there is ein condition it is too kind of you sir said the mother de little girl shall give me a kiss and put de flowers in her hair like de little german maidens olga child do just as the gentleman wishes said the mother assuming an air of discipline do not scold my little german girl implored schmucke it seemed to him that the little one was his dear germany topinard came in three porters are bringing up the whole bag of tricks he said oh here are two hundred francs to pay for everydings said schmucke but mein friend your montame d'aubinard is ver nice you shall marry her is it not so i shall give you thousand crowns and the little one shall have thousand crowns for her towery, and you shall infest it in her name. And you are not to be ein super any more. You are to be the cashier at the theatre. I, instead of old Baudron? Yes. Who told you so? Monsieur Gaudissart. Oh, it is enough to send one wild with joy. Eh, I say, Rosalie, what a rumpus there will be at the theatre but it is not possible our benefactor must not live in a garret pshaw for the few days that i have to live it is very comfortable said schmucke good-bye i am going to the cemetery to see what they have done mit bons and to order some flowers for his grave madame camusot de marville was consumed by the liveliest apprehensions at a council held with fraisier berthier and godeschal the two last-named authorities gave it as their opinion that it was hopeless to dispute a will drawn up by two notaries in the presence of two witnesses so precisely was the instrument worded by leopold anequin honest godeschal said that even if schmucke's own legal adviser should succeed in deceiving him he would find out the truth at last if it were only from some officious barrister the gentlemen of the robe being wont to perform such acts of generosity and disinterestedness by way of self-advertisement and the two officials took their leave of the presidente with a parting caution against fraisier concerning whom they had naturally made inquiries at that very moment fraisier straight from the affixing of the seals in the rue de normandie was waiting for an interview with madame de marville Berthier and Godeschal had suggested that he should be shown into the study. The whole affair was too dirty for the president to look into, to use their own expression, and they wished to give Madame de Marville their opinion in Fraisier's absence. "'Well, madame, where are these gentlemen?' asked Fraisier, admitted to audience. "'They are gone. They advise me to give up,' said Madame de Marville." give up repeated fraisier suppressed fury in his voice give up listen to this madame 
at the request of and so forth i will omit the formalities whereas there has been deposited in the hands of monsieur le president of the court of first instance a will drawn up by maitre leopold hennequin and alexandre Coltard, notaries of paris and in the presence of two witnesses the sieur brunner and schwab aliens domiciled at paris and by the said will the sieur pons deceased has bequeathed his property to one sieur schmucke a german to the prejudice of his natural heirs whereas the applicant undertakes to prove that the said will was obtained under undue influence and by unlawful means and persons of credit are prepared to show that it was the testator's intention to leave his fortune to mademoiselle cecile daughter of the aforesaid sieur de marville and the applicant can show that the said will was extorted from the testator's weakness he being unaccountable for his actions at the time whereas the sieur schmucke to obtain a will in his favor sequestrated the testator and prevented the family from approaching the deceased during his last illness and his subsequent notorious ingratitude was of a nature to scandalize the house and residence in the quarter who chanced to witness it when attending the funeral of the porter at the testator's place of abode whereas as still more serious charges of which applicant is collecting proofs will be formally made before their worships the judges i the undersigned registrar of the court etc etc on behalf of the aforesaid etc have summoned the sieur schmucke pleading etc to appear before their worships the judges of the first chamber of the tribunal and to be present when application is made that the will received by maitre hennequin and crottat being evidently obtained by undue influence shall be regarded as null and void in law and i the undersigned on behalf of the aforesaid etc have likewise given notice of protest should the sieur schmucke as universal legatee make application for an order to be put into possession of the estate seeing that the applicant opposes such order and makes objection by his application bearing date of to-day of which a copy has been duly deposited with the sieur schmucke costs being charged to etc etc i know the man madame la presidente he will come to terms as soon as he reads this little love-letter he will take our terms are you going to give the thousand crowns per annum certainly i only wish i were paying the first instalment now it will be done in three days the summons will come down upon him while he is stupefied with grief for the poor soul regrets pons and is taking the death to heart can the application be withdrawn inquired the lady certainly madame you can withdraw it at any time very well monsieur let it be so go on yes the purchase of land that you have arranged for me is worth the trouble and besides i have managed vitel's business he is to retire and you must pay vitel's sixty thousand francs out of pons's property so you see you must succeed have you vitel's resignation yes monsieur monsieur vitel has put himself in monsieur de marville's hands very good madame i have already saved you sixty thousand francs which i expected to give to that vile creature madame cibot but i still require the tobacconist's license for the woman sauvage and an appointment to the vacant place of head physician at the quinze vingt for my friend poulain agreed it is all arranged very well there is no more to be said 
every one is for you in this business even gaudissart the manager of the theatre i went to look him up yesterday and he undertook to crush the workmen who seemed likely to give us trouble oh i know monsieur gaudissart is devoted to the Papineaus. fraisier went out unluckily he missed gaudissart and the fatal summons was served forthwith if all covetous minds will sympathize with the presidente all honest folk will turn in abhorrence from her joy when gaudissart came twenty minutes later to report his conversation with poor schmucke she gave her full approval she was obliged beyond all expression for the thoughtful way in which the manager relieved her of any remaining scruples by observations which seemed to her to be very sensible and just i thought as i came madame la presidente that the poor devil would not know what to do with the money tis a patriarchally simple nature he is a child he is a german he ought to be stuffed and put in a glass case like a waxen image which is to say that in my opinion he is quite puzzled enough already with his income of two thousand five hundred francs and here you are provoking him into extravagance it is very generous of him to wish to enrich the poor fellow who regrets the loss of our cousin pronounced the presidente for my own part i am sorry for the little squabble that estranged monsieur pons and me if he had come back again all would have been forgiven if you only knew how my husband misses him monsieur de marville received no notice of the death and was in despair family claims are sacred for him he would have gone to the service and the interment and i myself would have been at the mass very well fair lady said gaudissart be so good as to have the documents drawn up and at four o'clock i will bring this german to you please remember me to your charming daughter the vicomtesse and ask her to tell my illustrious friend the great statesman her good and excellent father-in-law how deeply i am devoted to him and his and ask him to continue his valued favours i owe my life to his uncle the judge and my success in life to him and i should wish to be bound to both you and your daughter by the high esteem which links us with persons of rank and influence i wish to leave the theatre and become a serious person as you are already monsieur said the presidente adorable returned gaudissart kissing the lady's shrivelled fingers at four o'clock that afternoon several people were gathered together at berthier's office fraisier arch-concocter of the whole scheme tabareau appearing on behalf of schmucke and schmucke himself gaudissart had come with him fraisier had been careful to spread out the money on berthier's desk and so dazzled was schmucke by the sight of the six thousand franc banknotes for which he had asked and six hundred francs for the first quarter's allowance that he paid no heed whatsoever to the reading of the document poor man he was scarcely in full possession of his faculties shaken as they had already been by so many shocks gaudissart had snatched him up on his return from the cemetery where he had been talking with pons promising to join him soon very soon so schmucke did not listen to the preamble in which it was set forth that maitre tabareau bailiff was acting as his proxy and that the presidente 
in the interests of her daughter was taking legal proceedings against him altogether in that preamble the german played a sorry part but he put his name to the document and thereby admitted the truth of frisier's abominable allegations and so joyous was he over receiving the money for the topinards so glad to bestow wealth according to his little ideas upon the one creature who loved pons that he heard not a word of lawsuit nor compromise but in the middle of the reading a clerk came into the private office to speak to his employer there is a man here sir who wishes to speak to monsieur schmucke said he the notary looked at fraisier and taking his cue from him shrugged his shoulders never disturb us when we are signing documents just ask his name is it a man or a gentleman is he a creditor the clerk went and returned he insists that he must speak to monsieur schmucke his name his name is topinard he says i will go out to him sign without disturbing yourself said gaudissart addressing schmucke make an end of it i will find out what he wants with us gaudissart understood fraisier both scented danger why are you here gaudissart began so you have no mind to be cashier at the theatre discretion is a cashier's first recommendation sir just mind your own business you will never be anything if you meddle in other people's affairs sir i cannot eat bread if every mouthful of it is to stick in my throat monsieur schmucke monsieur schmucke he shouted aloud schmucke came out at the sound of topinard's voice he had just signed he held the money in his hand this is for the little german maiden and for you he said oh my dear monsieur schmucke you have given away your wealth to inhuman wretches to people who are trying to take away your good name i took this paper to a good man an attorney who knows this fraisier and he says that you ought to punish such wickedness you ought to let them summon you and leave them to get out of it read this and schmucke's imprudent friend held out the summons delivered in the cite bordin standing in the notary's gateway schmucke read the document saw the imputations made against him and all ignorant as he was of the amenities of the law the blow was deadly the little grain of sand stopped his heart's beating topinard caught him in his arms hailed a passing cab and put the poor german into it he was suffering from congestion of the brain his eyes were dim his head was throbbing but he had enough strength left to put the money into topinard's hands schmucke rallied from the first attack but he never recovered consciousness and refused to eat ten days afterwards he died without a complaint to the last he had not spoken a word madame topinard nursed him and topinard laid him by pons's side it was an obscure funeral topinard was the only mourner who followed the son of germany to his last resting-place fraisier now a justice of the peace is very intimate with the president's family and much valued by the presidente 
she could not think of allowing him to marry that girl of tabarot's and promised infinitely better things for the clever man to whom she considers she owes not merely the pasture-land and the english cottage at marville but also the president's seat in the chamber of deputies for monsieur le president was returned at the general election in eighteen forty six every one no doubt wishes to know what became of the heroine of a story only too veracious in its details a chronicle which taken with its twin sister the preceding volume la cousine bette proves that character is a great social force you o oh, amateurs connoisseurs and dealers will guess at once that pons's collection is now in question wherefore it will suffice if we are present during a conversation that took place only a few days ago in count popinot's house he was showing his splendid collection to some visitors monsieur le comte you possess treasures indeed remarked a distinguished foreigner oh as to pictures nobody can hope to rival an obscure collector one elie magus a jew an old monomaniac the prince of picture lovers the count replied modestly and when i say nobody i do not speak of paris only but of all europe when the old croesus dies france ought to spare seven or eight millions of francs to buy the gallery for curiosities my collection is good enough to be talked about but how busy as you are and with a fortune so honestly earned in the first instance in business in the drug business broke in popinot you ask how i can continue to interest myself in things that are a drug in the market no returned the foreign visitor no but how do you find time to collect the curiosities do not come to find you my father-in-law owned the nucleus of the collection said the young vicomtesse he loved the arts and beautiful work but most of his treasures came to him through me through you madame so young and yet have you such vices as this asked a russian prince russians are by nature imitative imitative indeed to such an extent that the diseases of civilization break out among them in epidemics the bric-a-brac mania had appeared in an acute form in st petersburg and the russians caused such a rise of prices in the art line as remonencq would say that collection became impossible the prince who spoke had come to paris solely to buy bric-a-brac the treasures came to me prince on the death of a cousin he was very fond of me added the vicomtesse popinot and he had spent some forty-odd years since eighteen hundred and five in picking up these masterpieces everywhere but more especially in italy and what was his name inquired the english lord pons said president camusot a charming man he was piped the presidente in her thin flute tones very clever very eccentric and yet very good-hearted this fan that you admire once belonged to madame de pompadour he gave it to me one morning with a pretty speech which you must permit me not to repeat and she glanced at her daughter madame la vicomtesse tell us the pretty speech begged the russian prince the speech was as pretty as the fan returned the vicomtesse 
who brought out the stereotype to remark on all occasions he told my mother that it was quite time that it should pass from the hands of vice into those of virtue the english lord looked at madame camusot de marville with an air of doubt not a little gratifying to so withered a woman he used to dine at our house two or three times a week she said he was so fond of us we could appreciate him and artists like the society of those who relish their wit my husband was besides his one surviving relative so when quite unexpectedly monsieur de marville came into the property monsieur le comte preferred to take over the whole collection to save it from a sale by auction and we ourselves much preferred to dispose of it in that way for it would have been so painful to us to see the beautiful things in which our dear cousin was so much interested all scattered abroad elie magus valued them and in that way i became possessed of the cottage that your uncle built and i hope you will do us the honor of coming to see us there gaudissart's theatre passed into other hands a year ago but m topinard is still the cashier m topinard however has grown gloomy and misanthropic he says little people think that he has something on his conscience wags at the theatre suggest that his gloom dates from his marriage with lelotte honest topinard starts whenever he hears fraisier's name mentioned some people may think it strange that the one nature worthy of pons and schmucke should be found on the third floor beneath the stage of a boulevard theatre madame remonenc much impressed with madame fontaine's prediction declines to retire to the country she is still living in her splendid shop on the boulevard de la madeleine but she is a widow now for the second time remonenc in fact by the terms of the marriage contract settled the property upon the survivor and left a little glass of vitriol about for his wife to drink by mistake but his wife with the very best intentions put the glass elsewhere and remonenc swallowed the draught himself the rascal's appropriate end vindicates providence as well as the chronicler of manners who is sometimes accused of neglect on this head perhaps because providence has been so overworked by playwrights of late end of chapter thirty one end of cousin pons by honore de balzac translated by ellen marriage